Welcome to the Guides Gone Wild podcast. What is Guides Gone Wild, you ask? This is where you'll fill your ears and minds with the stories of everyday, extraordinary women who will inspire you to take your outdoor adventure game to the next level. Whether you're starting your journey from the couch or the trailhead, this is the place for you, so let's get a little wild. Hi all, welcome to episode 22 of Guides Gone Wild. This is your host, Jen, coming to you from deep inside my podcast closet bunker. I don't know about you, but I'm definitely in need of some distraction and hope for the future this particular week. So I think the timing of today's episode couldn't be better. Today, I'm turning the spotlight on two amazing young women who are the future and for that matter, the present of White Mountain Hiking. Alexandra and Sage Her and their mom, Trish, are rock stars of the New Hampshire hiking community. When I say that, you'd think it was because Trish was an avid hiker in her youth, but apparently that was not the case. Instead, it was an overactive five-year-old Alex that drove her into the woods looking for an outlet that would bring her a bit more quiet and peace and dissipate some of Alex's energy. By August 2009, at the ripe old age of six, Alex had hiked all 48 of New Hampshire's 4,000-footers, and her little sister Sage was gearing up to start her own 4,000-footer list. Trish, Alex, and Sage subsequently embarked on several through-hiking trips over school vacations, in many cases using them as fundraisers for nonprofits close to their hearts, such as Girl Ventures and Feeding America. Their advocacy continues even while they've been more singularly focused on completing their grid hiking. Almost every trip report they each write for their respective blogs starts with a mention and link to the Union of Concerned Scientists, a group that both are passionate about supporting. These young women are focused, positive, and committed to the outdoors. So take a break from the news and all the stress eating you've been doing this election week. Pop in those earbuds and let's hit the trail with Alex and Sage Her, the Granite Gals. Alexandra and Sage Her, the Granite Gals, aka, um, welcome to the Guides Gone Wild podcast this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. No, oh my gosh. It's totally my pleasure. Um, I would love because I, I first kind of became aware of these ladies about three or even maybe even four years ago now. I went to a Appalachian Mountain Club annual event and their mom, Trish, was giving a presentation about just all the things that they had done, how many hikes they had done. They, they started hiking the 4,000 footers when they were like five years old. And as somebody who had two kids, two daughters, I was fascinated as to how she got them into it in the first place and the fact that they were still doing it. And they have continued to do just amazing things on the trail that we want to talk about today. And they have their own podcast called Granite Gals, where they interview hikers from, um, I think mostly New Hampshire, right? Mostly White Mountain people. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, and which is super cool. So we'll we'll link to that certainly in the notes and make sure everybody checks that out as well. But let me stop talking. And Alex is a senior this year in high school and looking forward to getting off into the world and studying some environmental science. We were just talking about that before we started. And Sage, you are a sophomore? Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, what I'd love for you to do is maybe tell our listeners how you got started in this crazy hiking and lifestyle that you are just amazing proponents of now in your teenage years. Okay. Who um, wants to well, go first? <laughs> um, since uh, I I started first, since I was you know older, I think maybe I could start and then Sage, you can explain how you started getting into it. Um, so for me, um, it started kind of like, as we say, on a whim, because um, a lot of people might think that mom was hiking before I was hiking, and then she kind of got me into hiking because she liked it. But the uh, reality is we actually kind of started at the same time. Um, we kind of jumped into this this new activity uh, together to try it out and, you know, to kind of um, get my energy out because I was five years old, so it's pretty hyper at the time. And yeah, so the, the first... 4k that I did was Tecumseh and after that um, I was you know I was really ambitious and I wanted to get all the 48 done um, and so we just kind of did it and it was really fun and then uh, and then I started on my finishing the winter 48 and now 
me and Sage are working on the grid, which is completing the uh, 48, 4,000 footers in every month of the year. So we just, you know, we kept finding new goals to pursue and then we just carry through with them. And that's just how we've been, you know, keeping up hiking throughout the years. And we just, you know, we've always enjoyed it. Yeah, which is bonkers. And I remember reading, like, I think the first time you guys tried Tecumseh, didn't you go out and just were like, oh, it's nice out. Let's go hiking today. And it turned out to be like <laughs> snowing and what or whatever else. And, yeah, and then yeah. your mom was like, huh, maybe I should think about this a little bit more. Learn a little more. Yeah, that, but, that was what happened the first time. Yeah, but then then we, we did try again and, and, and we got it. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> was yeah, what was, was so impressive curve. to me is that you kind of, you did it and it was like a little bit of a bust, but yet both of you were kind of like, instead of being you know, disappointed and just like, oh, I don't want to do that. That was awful or miserable or whatever. You're both like, we're going back. We're finishing it. So. Yeah. And then Sage, do you want to explain uh, how you got started? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, for me, Alex was, you know, my older sibling and she and my mom would always, you know, go off hiking and I was three. So um, I didn't, you know, hike with them a lot of the time. But um, as I grew up, I saw that they were hiking. I did some smaller hikes with my mom and I, I just wanted to get into it because, you know, that's what my sister was doing. And I, so I went on a couple of bigger hikes with them and I discovered that I really enjoyed it too. So, um, yeah, I just started hiking with them and then we sort of became like a three person team. Yeah. And then we've, we've been doing that ever since. And it seems like you started the four, the 4,000 footers pretty early. Like you guys had identified that list and started chipping away at them. It wasn't just like you were going out on little day hike meanders through the woods. It's almost like you had a a mission from the get-go? Yeah, um, it was kind of different um, between the two of us. I think I started on the 4Ks like kind of right away, um, but then Sage kind of eased into it more. Would you agree with that, Sage? With Because uh, you started on, on smaller hikes first because you were, you were four, so. <laughs> yeah, um, well, while since my mom was taking you on these bigger hikes, she sort of took me on these smaller hikes so we wouldn't feel like left out. Yeah, so I sort of started on these smaller ones. And then once I got old enough to go on the hikes with my mom and my sister, I went on those. And then, yeah, and then I just discovered that I liked both of them. But yeah, so then I continued with them when I got old enough. And I think it's, I, I would love to hear you talk about, because it, it seems like after a few years of hiking locally, your mom set bigger goals for you guys and you did these much more kind of longer term aggressive hikes. Like I remember at the presentation, she was talking about your trip on the Camino and your trip in Iceland. And so I would love to hear a little bit about like how that whole thing came about. Like when your mom was like, we're going to go hiking for you know two weeks in Spain. What was, what was your reaction to that? Well, it wasn't, I don't think it was more of a, she just told us that we're going to go hiking and then we went. Um, <laughs> I think we were more of, you know, a team and we really enjoyed hiking and my mom always has traveled in her life and she has always liked travel um, and she wanted to get us into that too. So she, you know, researched hikes in different countries and she came up with, you know, the Camino and she was like, well, you know, this is an amazing opportunity. You know, it's a it's a beautiful hike. Um, and I think we could do it. So we're like, yeah, you know, sure. And it was, it was really amazing. It was actually more like a month than two weeks. Um, yeah. And we, we hiked the whole thing. It was really, it was really amazing. And then after that, there were, you know, other through hikes that we could do. So we, um, just researched those and then went on them, um, and sort of continued that as like a summer, usually a summer tradition. Um, <laughs> um, now more, we haven't been doing as long ones, just since, you know, we have schoolwork and we have stuff in the summer that we're doing. Um, but when we were younger, it was a lot easier to do that. Yeah. Are you guys, have you, it was interesting to me that you haven't decided to like section hike the AT or go for the PCT or something like that. Well, especially the AT, since you're on the East coast and you've done quite a bit of it, you know, you've probably done the whole trail in New Hampshire or Katahdin for that matter. Have you guys hiked Katahdin before? Have you been up to Maine? Yeah, we have. It, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we, it's funny because um, we actually have a few friends who have section hiked the AT in the summer, so that's kind of um, what they like to do. And I guess we just, we well, at least I really like the idea of doing a through hike and then just completing it. And with section hiking the AT, I mean, you're doing, you're doing sections of the AT, but um, with through hiking, you get to like start the trail and then, you know, finish it like two weeks later or, you know, in the case of the Camino, a month later. And it's just, it's so fulfilling. And then also it's really great when it's somewhere that is 
unfamiliar to me, you know, like the surroundings are totally different than what I'm used to, you know, because we're in a different country or, you know, different state. Yeah, so it's just, it's just a really incredible experience. And um, I've always really enjoyed that. Yeah, I can imagine that. And I guess I, two things I wanted to talk about, if you if you can even remember back this far, because it's been so long. Um, I, I'm intrigued by just the fact that you've done so much winter hiking, because to me, that is something as an adult, I'm still like, I still haven't wrapped my brain around what it would take to go on, you know, like, I just hate being cold. I hate being wet. I hate being, you know, all that thing. And I suppose that you guys are a lot more hardcore than I am, but I want to talk about winter hiking and maybe your first few experiences doing that, because that's something that, you know, that can just, I mean, any kind of hiking can be unsafe, but that can certainly be super unsafe if you're not prepared for it and don't know what you're doing. And sounds like you guys are all kind of learning together as you did. So I'd like to talk about that. And then, you know, these long-term hikes you're doing, um, you know, how did you kind of figure out or how long did it take to figure out the food and the, you know, all the gear and, you know, what you wanted to bring? And I would imagine that was kind of an evolution, right? Yeah. Um, well, for winter hiking, I think that we were hiking in the summer and we were hiking non-winter and then it came to winter and we were like, well, we still want to hike. So my mom just, you know, researched it. She found what layers she went on the hiking forms. Um, and we were just safe about it. I mean, I think that you can hike in the winter and still be really safe as long as you know that you can turn around at any point and you have all the right layers and you have all the right food um, and everything. So I think, I don't think really it was like a, are we going to hike in the winter? I think we just wanted to hike all year round. So we just discovered how to do that. I can't even remember the first time I winter hiked because I was probably like five or six, but <laughs> Alex, do you remember that? Um, well, I was, I was just going to say that um, it, it might seem um, like things that bother other people don't bother us as much because, you know, we've done so much winter hiking. Um, but actually, um, I am like very sensitive to the cold, especially my hands, you know, um, I, I just, I can't ever wear gloves because it's just not warm enough. Um, and so, you know, each one of us is different and each one of us uh, has to make, uh, has to make accommodation, accommodations. And I guess I've just gotten uh, used to winter hiking and um, every time the season rolls around again, I have to kind of get, you know, prepare myself and get myself used to being out there again. But, you know, it's really beautiful once you're up there. And um, once you've been exercising a lot, you get warmer um, and you can actually de-layer. And then, but then you have to layer up again once you want to stop because then, you know, you're going to feel cold pretty fast. Yeah, I would think uh, that would be again, tricky because so. you're definitely... Um Play, teasing with hypothermia, I would imagine, like, cause I, I've done enough outdoor activity in the winter where it's like, you know, you go gung ho and you're getting all like nice and warm and, but then you kind of forget, like also you're sweating and when you stop, that's going to maybe backfire. But what do you use for your hands? Are you wearing mittens? Like, cause I'm interested too. My, as I get older, my hands have definitely, I'm having more and more issues with them. So I'm curious, like what you found to be most effective. Yeah, I use, um, I definitely use mittens. And then if it's especially cold, um, well, we always bring hand warmers and mm -hmm. then, you know, you shake them up and then use them and they're very, very helpful. Like they, they're very warm and they last for hours. Yeah. So that's, that's really helpful as well. Do you guys overnight in the winter at all? Or is, do you try to do most of the, your winter hiking, like day hiking? Uh, day hiking. We don't really, we don't overnight that much in the winter. Um, we don't really have a need for it since we just like do day hikes um, in the White Mountains really. Yeah. Have you gotten your, uh, have you done Washington in all those winter months already, or is that still on the docket? Um, yeah, we've we've both uh, are yeah um, we finished the winter forty eight. Well, I was just talking um, about so for your grid, right? Because you're gonna have to well, oh. hike all those in every single month, right? Is that explain to everybody what that what that really is? Because that's like hundreds and hundreds of hikes <laughs> that you are undertaking, yeah. and you're pretty far along. So it's forty eight. Um, it's the forty eight White Mountains. Uh, the highest mountains in every month of the year. So it's um, a total of five, 576 ascents. Um, so yeah, it's a lot and um, it's not all in one year for us. Um, we, like only a couple people have actually done that. Um, we're kind of spanning it over several years um, and I'm planning, well, we're both planning to finish um, before the summer of 2021. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Did NFL COVID well, kind of throw a wrench into all that this year? or um, guess, A little bit because yeah. I was planning to finish um, earlier in the year, 
but um, it should still, it should still be fine. We have a plan. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So then another thing I want to talk about was when you do go out long distances, um, talk to me about food and kind of how you refined your whole approach to like what you're carrying, what you eat, all that. Cause I would imagine that was kind of a, a work in progress for a bit. Yeah. I mean, I think when we first went out, um, <clears throat> Well, do you mean hiking or like the long backpacking trips? Um, well, I guess both. I mean, you know, I think when I when I think about trying to get my kids to go hiking, they're like looking for like Twizzlers and, you know, all kinds of garbage that is probably not what the best thing is that they should be eating if they're going to go out for day after day after day. And I think, you know, when you once, you know, I would imagine that over time you guys have really developed a good sense of your um you know, how you're going to feel and what you need to eat to feel yourself appropriately. So I guess, you know, it would be even interesting to hear what you do for like a strenuous day hike versus what you kind of think about when you're going to go out for long distances. Cause then you have to kind of also think about like water and weight and do you want to bring fuel? Are you eating hot? Are you eating cold? So I'm curious about that. Yeah. Um, well for day hikes, we actually do eat sort of junk food. Um, we used to save our Halloween candy and then eat it on hikes. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, sugar and carbs and protein are really good in hikes. So we usually bring some type of like turkey pepperoni um, and then some type of, yeah, like a sweet candy bar or something. And that's what we usually have. I think a lot of people don't want to do that. But I mean, for us, you know, we're hiking, you know, 15 miles on a hike. I think it's okay to have, you know, something like that. For backpacking, well, the main thing we're thinking about there is weight. Yeah. So um, we don't actually eat hot. We actually just eat cold for all of our through hikes because um, we don't have like a, a fuel pack since it's a little bit too heavy. Yeah, so we're more thinking about weight and the greatest number of calories we can fit into like a small space. But yeah, we still bring like things of peanut butter, like tortillas, like almonds, all these things that have pretty high calorie levels that we can fit smush into a space. Yeah, the the... Um, one main difference between day hiking food and uh, through hiking food is the calorie count. We, yeah, like Sage said, we're definitely trying to get a lot of different foods that have that are high in calories, if because we're going to be out there for you know days at a time, and yeah, and then the weight is also definitely a concern because we don't want to be carrying something around through hiking that's heavier than uh, necessary. All right, but you do, but you do eat your fair share of candy, so that's good to hear. Um, just hope, just hope yeah, for sugar, my kids. Yeah, sugar is definitely helpful. <laughs> yeah, um, on hikes, sugar, salt, um, something savory, you know, protein. Um, yeah, that's very helpful. So, do you and your mom have like similar hiking styles? Are you guys all chatty on the trail? Are you all fairly quiet? Do you do your own thing? Do you go your own pace? Do you stay together? What's how does that look? How does that unfold when you're out on the trail together? Um, I think it's probably you know, changed a little bit from when we were younger. When we were younger, we used to like sing songs while hiking sometimes or, and then me and Sage would play like tons of different made up games and talked a lot on the trails. Um, and we still, we still, we don't sing anymore, but um, we do have, you know, intricate conversations and it's, it's pretty interesting because topics that you wouldn't think would come up or that just wouldn't come up at home just kind of naturally up on the trails because you're just out there for hours at a time together and you just start thinking about things so it's um it's pretty interesting and then yeah and then sometimes me and Sage still um play some games if we're trying to pass the time and you know we have a really long walk out after a hard day and we you know we have to like preoccupy our minds (laughs) um so yeah yeah, that is a good point. Those are, that is the worst part sometimes is like, you've done all the views, you've done all the waterfalls. You're like, oh, this is so fun. And then you're like, oh, now I have to walk another four miles. Oh, that's great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sage, would you, uh, would you agree? Do you feel like that's kind of similar, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, yeah, we used to talk, I think a little bit more when we were younger, but now, um, yeah, now I think when we're hiking up, it's often really early in the morning, so we don't really talk that much. But um, on the way down, yeah, we talk a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, once you get it out of your system. Or or there's probably the days where one of you feels like talking a lot and the other one's like, oh my gosh, she needs to just stop. Or do you guys not get along like that ever? <laughs> you always get along fine. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, it is harder for me to talk a lot in the early morning since we start our hike so early because I'm just, you know, I just get really tired. So yeah, it is usually quieter in the morning and then we kind of warm up and, you know, talk more later on. 
Yeah. So you and your mom, the two of you and your mom are essentially responsible, right, for the terrifying 25 list, which a lot of white mountain hikers are very familiar with and aspire to. So, and then um, Alex, you also have developed a 13 before 13 list, which I think is super cool. So tell me a little bit about, you know, the development of those two, because it sounds like when you first um, developed the terrifying 25, you all had not necessarily done all those hikes. So I'm, I'm interested to hear, like, how did that come about? And, and, you know, what, it seems like a lot of work and you're, and you, you all still administer it today, right? With the patches and the, you know, approving the list and all that. So tell me a little bit about that process. Um, well, Alex, do you want to talk about the 13, 4, 13 list? And then I'll do the terrifying 25. Yeah. Okay? Um, sure. Yeah, I guess I could go first. Um, so I created a hiking list called 13 Before 13, which is designed for children younger than 13 to you know, encourage um, children to get outside and hike and, and especially those who you know, aren't super familiar with the activity. Um, and it's also a bonding experience um, for them and their families or friends. So yeah, there are 13 hikes um, in the list, hence 13 before 13 years of age. And you have waterfalls, you have hikes with views, and you have more challenging hikes. And it's also split up into sections. So there's an easier section, a medium section, a harder section, and then the final hike is Little Haystack, which is at the end. And after after completing each section of hikes, you can earn a sticker. And then after completing the whole list, you get a patch. So if you complete all the hikes, you would earn three stickers and a patch in total. Um, yeah, so it's pretty fun. I also have a website for it and a Facebook group for parents. Um, oh, that's cool. I didn't yeah, know about the Facebook group. That's a great idea. Yeah, thanks. And then uh, you have to, I should say, uh, you have to be um, younger than 13 to be eligible to get a patch and stickers. So it's mm-hmm. in trying to motivate younger children to get out there. And so, and you finished developing it, what, a couple of years ago? How, how long ago did you launch it? Yeah, I think it was around a year, year and a half ago. Yeah. And how many folks have you, how many kids have you had completed so far? Um, yeah, a few, a few different ones. Um, and a lot of them are still working on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. but we have had some finishers. Yeah. And, and how did, what, what was your criteria? I mean, I, I looked at the list this morning and it definitely, you have some really nice hikes on there. What kind of, were those like your favorites when you were younger or you just kind of thought about all the different hiking you done and tried to come up with something? I mean, I guess probably it was a little bit of both. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of both. Um, I haven't completed all of those hikes, um, but some of them are, you know, close to my heart from when I was younger, yeah. uh, like Bald Mountain and, um, and uh, Morgan and Percival, which I think is on there. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. And then others, I did some research and, you know, saw that they would be great for children to try and, uh, you know, really enjoyable. So. Yeah, they seemed like, and I love the fact that you were kind of thinking about scrambles and waterfalls and, you know, like the things that make hiking fun for the kids, like ladders and, you know, but within reason, yeah. obviously. Yeah, definitely. But that brings <laughs> us to the terrifying 25, which takes all of those elements and maybe kicks them up a notch or 25. So tell us a little bit about that whole process. Yeah, so um, the terrifying 25 is a list of mountains that have uh, scrambles or ladders or things that are like you know terrifying. Um, and we first created the list when so like my mom sort of saw that me and Alex liked doing you know scrambles and these things that weren't just you know walking on a trail like climbing um, like bouldering. So she she sort of compiled or she asked people um you know what are some hikes that have these things um and she went through the guidebooks and she went through um what people were saying and she sort of came up with a list of different mountains and we we did some of them and we all sort of compiled it and then we so we sort of just inadvertently created the list and then i sort of like named it and she was like well we could just you know create this list of mountains that people could do that have all these interesting elements so I created the name Terrifying 25 and then Alex um, drew the patch for it. Um, and um, we created a Facebook group, like in case anyone wanted to, you know, just try it. And sort of over the years, it's sort of just more and more people have done it and it's sort of grown. Yeah, so we we, we keep up the patches and the uh, p- finishers and everything. Um, yeah, it's really fun. But yeah, so we actually haven't done all the name, all the things on the list, just because some of them were things that people you know, told us about or we heard about. So 
but like we're trying to finish all of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think just, that's awesome that you created a list and you, <laughs> you guys are still working on it. But we just, we, yeah, we were going to finish it, but then like we have the grid, so we're going to do the grid. But definitely we're going to finish it um, at some point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think next summer we're planning to finish all of the hikes. Yeah. So do you both have um, other friends that, that like to hike with you? Or have you guys kind of just, it does, is that not something that your social group is really that into? or or? Um, well, we do know some of our friends like to hike, but we don't, we haven't really hiked with them just because we have like specific hikes that we need to do for the grid. Yeah. Um, so often it doesn't really stink up. We have hiked with other kids before in the past, but we haven't done that as much nowadays. Yeah. I would, I would imagine that when you have, I mean, and, and now you've got this just huge goal that that would be, you know, every spare minute that you can spend hiking is probably devoted to that. So that's crazy. Yeah. Um, now, what and, else? And like, oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. And, and like you said, um, in, or like you asked, um, it's also, yeah, it's not, it's not quite something that um, our group of friends does together because a lot of, uh, a lot of members of the group are just um, not into that sort of thing. So it, it does feel like something that individual members of the group do like with their families. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Now are you, is, are you finding that you guys are kind of outpacing your mom now, or is she still cranking, cranking out the miles and able to keep up with you? Um, it depends on the, the train and the day, because sometimes, you know, I'll have days where it, it feels difficult to, you know, go uphill really fast. Um, cause sometimes I have trouble with that, but then other days I'll be like really speedy for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and she's, She's usually good with uphill, except sometimes her legs hurt, so she has to take breaks. So it just depends. Um, I do think that going downhill, um, me and Sage tend to be faster though, because we just have an easier time, like kind of speeding down the trail. Yeah, but I would yeah, say as I get older, that's the part that's down. harder is the downhill. Is like, especially yeah, after you've I've gone uphill, <laughs> and then you're just like, oh, geez, Louise. Right. So, finally, using the trekking poles, which I had like disdained for a very long time, but now they're kind of like when I forget them, I'm like, oh no, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Pulls, pulls are really helpful, especially going downhill. Yeah. So even you, even you youngsters use them with the springy knees. Yeah, we do use poles. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, my other thing that I wanted, I was curious about just because you have been out in a, um, for longer distances, have you ever been stuck in a lightning storm or a whiteout or both? <laughs> um, and what was it like if you were? Well, there was one instance, well, a couple, um, one major one when we were younger, um, where we were on hail. Wait, no, it was hail, Alex, Tom. Which one was it? No, it was Tom. Okay, sorry. Um, it was Tom. Um, so we were on Tom and we were um hiking up and sort of like a thunderstorm just like materialized, you know how New Hampshire weather is sort of over the mountain. And it was hailing, it was lightning, it was thunderstorming, and we were so little and we sort of it was it was sort of a scary experience because we didn't expect that to happen like the weather did not have anything like that and it was just hailing really badly and thunderstorming and we were we were pretty scared but we got out of that and then the other one well there was a hike on Adams and Madison that we were doing um it was sort of like a night hike we were going into the night and it was like it was raining it was really almost whiteout conditions and we were going down Adams and it was just like extreme rain and like mist and we didn't really have a really great visibility and we were pretty close to getting lost but um we didn't we made it down and then we went up Madison and went down so we were pretty proud of ourselves for getting through that one um yeah but yeah I mean I think we've always been we've never been in a situation where we seriously thought we were gonna you know get hurt or anything we've always been like knowing what we're going to do next. Um, so I think that's important. Have either of you taken, well, you probably both have like wilderness first aid or like any of those courses to know what to do in situations like that. Cause I mean, as you said, the, the weather is just can be totally wonky and you just think you're going to have a certain kind of day and it to totally turns into another kind of day. And my fear has always been like lightning basically, especially if you're going to go out for multiple days in a row and you're like, Oh, it looks like it's going to be fine. But if I'm bringing my friends on this like longer hike, I'm like, oh snap! I don't want to have to, you know, lightning scares the bejeebers out of me. So, yeah, 
Um, what did you guys well, do in I'm that a, case when that happened? Well, basically you want to, um, you know, try to stay low to the ground and, you know, get lower. Um, you don't want to be um, somewhere where the trees are shorter, like the more trees around you, the better and the higher they are. So yeah, that's basically what you have to try to do. And we have been stuck in, in more thunderstorms than just one. The the one when we were younger that Sage described is just one that sticks in our heads a lot, but we hiked the Coast Trail and there was one day where we were kind of, yeah, we were hiking through a thunderstorm trying to get to a shelter. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah. So there have been instances and it does, it does seem scary, uh, but you just, for the people listening, just try to remember that through hikers, you know, hiking the Appalachian Trail or other through hikes, you know, have to experience this stuff all the time and they just, you know, they survive and they hike through it or they, they make it work. So it is pretty unlikely that, you know, you're going to get struck by lightning, but you, yeah, you definitely should take the safety precautions and, um, you know, just be safe about it as possible. Yeah, no, I guess you, you bring up a good point is like hundreds and hundreds of people that do it every year and they seem to be okay. So that's, that's, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> now, both of you have taken to, or have, have both of you taken to doing solo hikes? Like I know, Alex, you did the Pemi loop, which is pretty impressive by yourself. How was, how, like, how did you prepare for that? Or was it just like, well, I don't know, I go out all the time and it, the only difference is that I don't have anybody to talk to on the way out. Yeah, well, actually, I, I kind of prepared for that by uh, solo hiking. And, um, and when we I was hiking with Sage and mom, I would lead the hikes a lot. And which means that I would have to, you know, break spider webs and do the navigation. Um, so it did, you know, feel like more work. Um, and yeah, I, I've kind of prepared for that for like around two years. Uh, and I got more used to solo hiking. Um, and oh, and hiking in the dark. And then when it came time to actually do the Pemi loop, I felt, you know, I felt prepared and ready, though a little nervous because, you know, it was going to be such a long day. I started at, I think I started hiking at 4.30 a.m. And I kept going and did it in less than 24 hours by myself. Uh, and I got out, I don't remember the exact time. I would want to say it was like 9.30 or 10 p.m. was when I got back to the parking lot. So that was uh, yeah, a lot of hiking just, in the was, dark. <laughs> Yeah, it was actually. <laughs> I was I was pretty wigged out, I will admit, but I kind of got used to it and just I just kept going for what felt like a very long time. Um, but yeah, I made it out and I was really happy that I, I did the hike. Um, though it was funny because like halfway through I was already like so sore and I was halfway through. Though the first half, the way I was going, was more difficult than the second half. So I didn't know that. And then yeah. Were, were and, you carrying stuff in case you had to stay overnight or? Um, yeah, I was carrying appropriate gear. I had like lots of food um, and a certain amount of calories just trying to eat per summit, which I didn't always do because it was a lot. Um, yeah. But I, I definitely had my fair share of food. So Did you have like a bivy or anything just in case you had to like, yeah. 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 yeah we carry um, an emergency bivy and all that. And I had lots of water. Yeah. Sage, how about you? Are you uh, into the solo hiking? Yeah. I mean, I do solo hike a lot. Um, I haven't done as big of a hike as that. Um, but yes, we both solo hike sometimes. If one of us, you know, if we need different mountains for the grid that week, then we can just, you know, both go solo. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. I enjoy it. Do you guys bring beacons or anything or just are out there relying on your own? Yeah, most of the time we do. We do bring um, that sort of tracking device so that, you know, if there's an emergency, mom can see where we are. Um, so that that's helpful. And I will say that we don't go solo hiking in the winter or when there's snow on the ground as a general rule uh, for safety reasons. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's, yeah. How, how does your <laughs> so mom do that? Was your mom, I, well, I imagine she was probably very encouraging, but um, has she ever admitted to being like freaking out on the back end the first time you guys went out by yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think she's nervous about it um, as, you know, anyone would be. I think she sort of not, you know, not trained, but um, sort of taught us a lot of stuff and made, made sure we were really ready to go. So I think she's been confident that we were able to go when we go. So yeah, I think she's been nervous about it, but not like downright worried because she knows that we're, you know, ready for it. Yeah. What's, I'm curious, what site do you guys use for your weather? Like, how do you you know, you obviously have a lot of good luck with it, or you have picked, made some good choices. Like, how do you do your prep when you are going to go out? Like, what do you, what do you, where do you consult? Um, we usually use NOAA, 
weather forecasting, uh, which is, and it's, it's really useful because you can click on a specific mountain and then see what the weather is forecasted to be. And I mean, usually it's, it's right or, you know, close to being right, but yeah, sometimes the weather can be unpredictable. So just have to, um, you know, use our best judgment. And also, you know, you should definitely be aware of your surroundings when you're out there, if you see a thunderstorm forming or, you know, clouds that look like it could turn to something else, then you should, you know, um, keep that in mind, maybe turn around if something unexpected is, uh, looks like it's going to happen. Yeah. And I would imagine both of your map and compass skills are pretty, pretty top notch at this point. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely important to have map and compass skills when you're out there, you know, to not, not rely on technology or anything. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm used to looking at a map and knowing and being able to tell pretty much where I am just from, you know, you have the contour lines, you have streams and rivers that you can see on the map and you can hear where they are when you're on the trail or see, or, you know, know how close you are to it, or if it's on your right side or your left side, uh, how many times you cross the water, you know, there are all these different signs um, and observations that you can make while you're hiking to see where you are, if you really want to figure out how far along the trail you are. Yeah. No, I I think that that's probably what what you two are better at than most people is just like awareness and being you know and knowing almost naturally to plug in because I think a lot of people can are just like totally just oblivious these days they don't pay attention to what's going on around them and that could get you in a lot of trouble if you're in that kind of an atmosphere so um, what made you want to start the podcast well we were we went to all these different, you know, events and we talked to all these women um, that were hiking and had all these accomplishments and are just regular hikers. And we thought, well, we want to, you know, want to get stories out there and we want to um, sort of talk to all these people and it'd be fun if we, you know, created a podcast. And we just thought, oh yeah, we could do that. <laughs> so um, we got a recording device and we just started contacting people and we just started it. I mean, I think it was less... <laughs> I don't know how to phrase this. It was all, all these things. We just, we sort of said, well, we could do this. And we just, you know, like did it. Um, it wasn't more of a, yeah. So yeah, we just contact people like once a month um, and we, we interview them and it's, we upload it and yeah, it's, it's really fun. Um, we've talked to some great people. Yeah. And the, the goal of the podcast is to give women um, a voice like on our on our podcast to talk about you know their experiences um you know maybe if they've, if they've experienced sexism on the trail or you know other other issues and yeah it's just really interesting hearing like all these different women's perspectives and stories and to clarify it's just if they hike in the white mountains they don't necessarily have to live in New Hampshire, mm -hmm. um, they just have to hike in the White Mountains. So that's yeah. that's the theme. Yeah, and I would um, imagine the response so has been great. good to it. I mean, I think that just what little I I've done of it too has been, you know, I think people are really kind of looking for a little bit of inspiration and don't necessarily think that. Yeah, they don't they st don't stop to think that just some regular people are doing this kind of thing all the time and that it's totally doable and accessible and it maybe is going to give them that extra little push to to get out and try it themselves so i think that's that's awesome that that you guys are elevating those stories the way that you are and it's not just about like flashy important people that you've heard about before it's just you know your dentist or the lady <laughs> who works in the supermarket or you know whoever which is awesome so that's good i i commend yeah. you for doing that it's kind of the same goal i had too so um okay a couple quick questions and we'll wrap it up here i would like to know which what has been both of your favorite places to hike internationally? What's been your favorite place that you've ever been outside the country? Mm. Um, and I guess it doesn't have to necessarily be hiking, like, because it's, I'm sure you guys have traveled quite a bit. Like, what has been your favorite place to go? Um, well, we went to Paris many years ago. That was really amazing. Um, but for hiking, I think Spain, probably, um, or... Um, did the um, John Muir Trail, and that was really, really amazing. I really liked the scenery out there at West, and um, yeah, so that was really fun. Also, I'm seeing a lot of places, but um, uh, Iceland, yeah, that was so amazing. That hike was just like four or five days, but it was so pretty. Yeah, so yeah, Alex, how about you? Yeah, I think um, 
Well, it's it's hard because the Camino, it was more of a cultural experience and we were walking, you know, so much, but the John Muir Trail feels more like a hike hike because we we're camping and we we're in the wilderness and, you know, the Camino, you can just stop by a cafe and keep walking and, you know, you walk through towns and farmland and it's just, you know, I really, really loved it and it was just incredible. and. I just, I want to say that one and the John Muir Trail just because they were so different. It's hard to compare them. Um, well, you can and, you because know, John Muir Trail on. is domestic and Camino is international. So there you go. You got an answer for both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, both of them just felt uh, so different than what we're used to. I mean, the John Muir Trail, you know, the the terrain and, and the environment is way drier than it is here. Um, the trails are often not as not always, but they're often um, like easier terrain um, and a lot of switchbacks. Yes, they believe in switchbacks out west. We do not believe they in them. They do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, that's definitely a big difference. Um, yeah, the scenery was just gorgeous. Um, and when I remember there were these like huge pine cones, I, I just remembered that. Um, so it was yeah. interesting. And then, yeah, the Camino, we just, we met uh, so many different people from, uh, different countries because you know people from like everywhere uh come to to hike that and then i'm we also went to uh, finisterra after like completing the camino de santiago mm -hmm. we also went to the ocean nice. um, which is kind of an extra part so that was do you really guys speak spanish nice at all have you um i i do i've been uh learning spanish pr basically throughout my whole childhood and i just keep now i'm taking uh courses in um a college and I just I keep going with that. And then Sage doesn't speak Spanish, but she has learned other languages. Yeah. So that must have been fun to practice that a little bit. I mean, obviously you're traveling with a lot of international folks, so probably talking a lot of English, yeah. speaking a lot of English too. I was, but I, yeah, I was 10 back then, so I d definitely did not know as much Spanish as I, as I do now, but I was I was learning it at the time, so I, I was able to practice it a little bit, which was pretty exciting for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Two more things. Um, do you do either of you have something that you bring backpacking that you know makes no sense because it's like heavy or you know not necessary to survival or anything like that? Do you, either of you have an item like that that you love to bring that makes no no sense at all? Well, um, we've both brought uh, stuffed animals before on through hikes. <laughs> like we had this thing where we would each bring like one stuffed animal and then kind of like put it on our packs as we went along or just kind of, it, yeah. Um, so that was, that was nice. And then we have some hiking buddies like that now still that we carry with us. So yeah, there's that. Uh, Sid, can you think of anything else? Um, well, sometimes I bring like a book sometimes if we're going on like a shorter through hike yeah 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 i think that's it or like a very small pad of paper you know if yeah. you want to like write or draw that can be nice yeah. oh and playing cards is also really useful yeah um yeah. when you get to camp and then you want to spend some time and hang out yeah so that kind of maybe segues into my other one do you have any tips for parents um or things that you might say oh bring this or do this or make up this game or what you know what kind of things can people do to kind of get their kids more engaged in hiking if their kids are like rolling their eyes and not necessarily wanting to come well um one thing is um making having the food be exciting um because i remember when i was younger um one part of hiking that excited me was you know what special treat we get when we got to the summit and so that was that's definitely something that can just make it more enjoyable um, and yeah, making up games to play on the trail, um, me and Sage, like, we're just so creative and made up like all these games. And I remember we even went as far as to, like, I made up this world, like a video game, and then Sage made up her own character. And then she would like interact with the world and then I would tell her what happened. It was just, it was like, yeah, the things we did. Um, <laughs> you guys so, are like yeah, talking through your make your own it. adventure thing. Yeah. It was <laughs> Um, it was great. And yeah, and then we used to um, kind of have these little songs we'd sing with mom sometimes to like cheer each other up or um, like as we, were, as we were hiking. So do you have anything to add? Um, yeah, I just like make it fun um, and go to like many different trails, see what they like, um, you know, like with views and scrambles and <clears throat> waterfalls and everything. Yeah, I mean, but also, I mean, if your kid doesn't, if you've tried with your kid to hike like a bunch of times and they just don't really like it, then obviously don't like continue trying to push them. I mean, <laughs> I think 
our mom and us sort of worked because like we all enjoyed it and we all just continued hiking but if you're if they don't enjoy it then you shouldn't obviously you know force them to do that yeah yeah. I know your poor mom, you guys are going to go away to college soon and she's going to be all stuck here. Like, can you guys please come home and come hiking with me? I have no one to hike with anymore. Well, she does have hiking plans of her own um, that she's excited about. So I do, you know, I think that she'll be set. Is um, she undertaking yeah, a grid or anything like that? Or does she have a, what is she working on right now? Well, since she hikes so much with us, she, uh, she's going to finish the grid next year too. Um, That's the plan. And yeah, she just, she, uh, I know she wants to hike the Appalachian Trail when she's older and um, she wants to hike national scenic trails um, in different parts of the States. And yeah, she is, she really likes to travel and hike. So. And she also red lines. Yeah, that's right. I was going to ask about that. Um, If, I mean, if that is something that either of you would think about doing, or is that kind of like, yeah, maybe when I'm older, but that seems kind of boring right now. Sorry. sorry, I was just, I was wondering about redlining, if you had ever considered adding that to your list of challenges or if that's just like too long, maybe too much, maybe a little too boring for where you guys are at in your hiking stage right now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it would be a little bit too long. We wanted to do something that we could do within like before we go to college. So I think that's a little bit too long, but um, yeah, our mom is doing that. So yeah, that's, that's a good goal for her to do separate. And you guys kind of live right in the middle of it all, I would imagine. So it's pretty accessible. You can bang stuff out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, my final question I ask everybody, and I want each of you to give me a different answer, is your favorite piece of gear that costs less than $50? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let me just think about this for a second. <laughs> well, we have these, um, these like, what are they called? There are these like mittens that somebody made out of sweaters, mm. I think. Um, <laughs> I don't know. People were selling them at a fair and we got these pairs of... Um, yeah, these pairs of mittens and they're like they're really like the really thick wool ribbon. ones because they've been um, like a sweater got washed and dried accidentally and so it got all what is it called like felted wool or something like that. Yeah, I, I think so. I think they just made a bunch of them. Um, yeah, they're really they're nice. They're made of wool. Yeah, they're really nice. I guess that would be mine. Pressure's on, Alex. Yeah. So one uh, one that's definitely under fifty dollars um, that I really appreciate to bring while hiking is duct tape. Um, it's actually very useful. You can um, duct tape parts of your pack if you know you get a little tear. Um, and then if you put duct tape like on a sensitive area, like on your foot or on a blister, then um, it can reduce, you know, rubbing against your boot um, and you know making the blister hurt or make it worse. Or yeah, and it's actually very effective, surprisingly. So um, not yeah. everyone knows that. Duct tape is a good one. That was a, that's a good, that's a good call. Um, Cause there is, I mean, just like infinite numbers of things you can do with it, especially yeah. when you are, you know, getting damaged or torn or whatever out, out in the back country. So th- those are both good. I, I like that. Um, so if people want to learn more about you both, you have a long litany of places that you can be found on the interweb. So why don't you each kind of run down where people could maybe read more about your travels or connect with you directly? Okay. Um, well, I have, uh, well, okay. So we have a Facebook page um, called Sisters Hiking. Um, so if you uh, follow that page, then you can, you know, see um, the different hikes we do. We also have a YouTube channel uh, called uh, Alex and Sage Hike the 4Ks. And we have an Instagram page that is also, you know, along the same lines as Alex and Sage Hike 4Ks. And I personally, I have a personal blog called um, Alex in the White Mountains. And then Sage has um, a blog called Sage's White Mountain Treks. And we have, of course, you know, granitegals.org, which you can, you can find um, Granite Gals interviews on there. And, and your mom wrote a book about you guys. Yeah. yeah, she well, she wrote a book about um, her adventures hiking, um, primarily with with me, just because that's what we were doing at the time um, when I was like really young. So yeah, you can definitely check that out. It's called um, "Up a Mother and Daughter's Peatbagging Adventure." Yeah, and also um, there is yeah, there's Grand Gals and there's the Terrifying Twenty Five Facebook group. Um, yeah. So yeah, lots of different ways. So it's great. Ladies are out there and spreading all of the good vibes around the White Mountains. So we really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for talking to me this morning. This was fun. And um, I'm excited to continue to follow your adventures as you 
finish the grid. You're getting so close within striking distance, last hundred, right? Are you both in the yes. five, five teens-ish? Right? Um, I am. Yeah. Uh, Sage, what, what's your count? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I'm almost there. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure. I love these words of wisdom from Alex and Sage's mom, Trish, which I pulled down from a blog post from 2010. She said, quote, once in a while, someone writes me and asks, how do you get your kids to hike? My answer, I don't. They hike because they want to. If they don't want to, then we don't go. Or as was the case today, if they start out wanting to, and then they change their minds halfway up the mountain, we turn back. I don't believe in taking a kid up a mountain unless that kid really and truly wants to get up that mountain. If the hike ain't happy, then the hike ain't happening, end quote. There's a huge lesson there for all of us. When you're outside or moving your body, are you doing it in a way that makes you happy? Are we doing things that bring us joy? Are we listening to our bodies or minds when they tell us they've had enough, it's time to turn back, or, or maybe when they tell us we can push ourselves a tiny bit more? Do we grant ourselves those tiny wishes and desires in our souls when they're brave enough to enter our consciousness? With all that is going on around us right now, I think it's a great time to recenter ourselves and pay closer attention to what our bodies and souls are telling us. Mindfulness is not a bunch of hooey. While it's very tempting right now to do things that dull our consciousness and block out the sights and sounds and senselessness of the world around us, that's not a great approach for the long game. Instead, let's all make an effort this week and in the weeks ahead to find pockets of quiet. Put down your phone, turn off all the noise and distractions, and spend some time listening and getting to know yourself again. Breathe, stretch, move, reconnect. Because guess what? When you take care of yourself like this, the people around you notice. Your friends will notice. If you have kids, daughters, they'll notice. And maybe they'll realize that keeping tabs on themselves and prioritizing their well-being is not selfish, but sustaining. Make sure you check out Alex and Sage's Granite Gals podcast, as well as their blogs. I've included links to all their goodness in the show notes, as well as on the guidesgonewild.com website. And while we're speaking of getting young women outside, I'd be remiss if I didn't encourage you all to check back in with my guest from Lucky Episode 13, Amanda Hatley from She Summits. They'll be hosting a winter camping skills weekend, November 11th through 13th, targeted at girls aged 5 to 9, accompanied by a female adult. Don't worry, you won't be sleeping in tents. Amanda's got a beautiful stone house lined up for you to stay in while you're learning about winter adventuring. She Summits also has a Women's Escape Weekend scheduled for December and has a bunch more information now available for their summer 2021 overnight travel camps for kids. I'll drop some links in today's show notes, and I hope you'll check it all out at shesummitsco.com. So with that, I encourage you all to stay safe, wear your masks, be kind, and you know the rest. <laughs>